Welcome to another episode of the Most of Musa podcast. Today in the studio, I have my friend Twitch streamer Gabby Pads. Hello. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little tired, but I'm really glad that the Swedish winter is almost over. Hey, it gets really cold. Uh, it gets really cold at night. But today it was super nice. It was quite sunny. Mm. I was there doing photosynthesis, <laughs> like all the Swedish people. Yeah, but it's one of those weathers where at night when I'm sleeping, if I open the window, it's too cold. If I close the window, it's too hot. <laughs> I know about it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Do you like the weather? Yeah, I, I mean, I like all weather. Because the country that you're from, it's pretty warm. Yeah. So is mine. Mm. So was it a hard process adapting for you? Not really. I, I, uh, it was the first time I saw snowfall. And oh, I me just, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I just f- fell in love with the snow. I prefer like winter over summer. It felt like the movies the first time I saw snow. I was like, oh my god, I grew up watching this on TV. I mean, even now, it's beautiful. And it's like those thick, big, slow, and it's like falling slowly. It's like really nice. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It looks like Narnia. It's what I saw mm-hmm. on TV. But me, I don't do well with the cold. Mm-hmm. Growing up, going at the beach, going to the beach, like, I, can, I can't. Yeah. I tried, I promise. But it's too cold for me. What's the coldest that gets uh, in Brazil? I mean, Brazil is pretty big. Mm. So Where you're from? Where I'm from, like, let's say that, like, in the coldest day, in the middle of the night, it can get to zero degrees. Mm. That's, like, the coldest fucking day ever. Mm. But, um, Sao Paulo, we like to say that has three weathers every day. In the morning, it can be 15 to 20. Then at 12, it's going to be 30, 35. Mm. Then at night, it's going to be, like, maybe. Well, it's basically exactly the same as where I'm from. Uh-huh. Yeah, the coldest it gets is like zero, and then hottest could be like 35-ish. Yeah. yeah. It's getting warmer because mm. of global warming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So you grew up in Brazil. Yes. And do you have any siblings? I do. I have a brother and a sister. Mm-hmm. And they are from my father's side of the family, so they are still in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I moved here with my mother. Okay, cool, cool. And why did you move here? A specific reason? Or just like starting a new life? No, I can't tell you. It's a pretty long story, but of course. It's um, a podcast. It's no, no, I know exactly. That's, that's what I thought. Uh, if any time to tell the story, they also ask me all the time. Um, Pull the mic a little bit closer to you. Cool. Yeah. Oh my God, it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> so pretty much... We had issues in Brazil. Some stuff happened to my family and in my family, which I will explain. But we had to leave the country. And the reason why we chose Sweden, then it's another another story. So the reason why we went to Sweden specifically, it's because I'm half Brazilian, half Italian by mother's side. So during the Second World War, my grandmother's father didn't want it to fight in the war. And they were from south of Italy. So if you refused to go to war the penalty was you were gonna get killed pretty much so what he did is that he ran away and came to sweden and he told sweden that he was being persecuted by his religion and that was a very smart lie because in italy like christianism is a big big thing when he came here he said he was a jehovah's witness and he was being persecuted and he needed exile the government bought it and then him and his whole family moved here to Sweden. So my grandmother, she grew up here, actually. She came when she was 12. 
and they lived at the time at camps. They had Italian camps at the time, um, which is pretty strange to imagine now because when you think about Italian people, like you, you don't remember what happened at the time, and I feel like they don't teach in school about By the camps. You mean like what kind? Like, uh, do you remember when there were happening a lot of bombings in Syria mm-hmm. and the refugees were oh, coming here uh-huh, okay. and they built camps okay, to, okay, for the mm-hmm. refugees to be able to live? So at the time, it was the same before Italians that were running away from the war. Mm-hmm. I've been here for seven years. I've never heard that. The only reason I know that is because my grandma told me like how she grew up, where she grew up. They had like little Italian communities in uh, Mariestad, mm-hmm. more like that. That's where she grew up. Um, so because of this, because she grew up here, uh, she decided that she was going to change her nationality from Italian to Swedish in case one day her kids need it Mm -hmm. because she knew and she knows that Sweden is a great plan B. So if something goes wrong in your life and you have a Swedish ID, you can come here and the government will help you. Pretty much, if you get fucked anywhere, this is a pretty good place to get fucked and come to. Mm. So that was my grandma's plan. My grandfather, he's also Italian from north of Italy. And he's a physicist and uh, astrophysicist. And at the time, he was invited by Sonny Ericsson to come to Stockholm and work here. Mm. And my grandfather, he also has a pretty strange relationship with religion. So he spent his whole life... Uh, trying to find faith because he grew up in Italy he was forced to be a Christian and he was really he felt very rebellious towards that so he spent his whole life shifting religions to try to find the real through he has this whole thing with religion Um, and the way he decided to do it was that he was going to explore all religions and when he did that he would go like all in like zero to a hundred and at the time, as particular as it is, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And because my grandmother's father said that they were Jehovah's Witness, she grew up being Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And they both met at the cult here. Uh, okay. Which is pretty random. No one is Jehovah's Witness till now in my family. Just mm-hmm. my grandmother. So your grandmother, when she was growing up, she was like, did she know that her grandfather lied to escape war or did she just actually believe in Jehovah's Jehovah's Witness and everything? I don't know. Like, that is still a question amongst my family because she has sisters and brothers and they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. She says that she made a promise to her father and therefore she will still keep doing it. I think her father, (laughs) because I didn't meet him, but I think her father and her and the family, they had like a pretty strange relationship i don't think he was a really good father and she has this as the last thing of their relationship like she's holding on to this belief to please her father and it's been so many years and i really i don't know it's just a, a little bit strange to think that no one else is and i forget that my grandmother is jehovah's witness but then i'm walking around the house and there's like a little piece of paper like masturbation is the devil like porn is the new heroine and i'm like oh fuck i forgot um no hate to anyone that's jehovah's witness i've grown up like around it and all of that it's just peculiar yeah i I don't really know about them like what's their deal what do they believe in um it's 
uh, I don't want to say funny, or it's a bit funny, but um, I've grown up with my grandmother and me too. I also had no idea. Mm. I just knew that fact about her. One given day, I was here in Sweden and I received a letter and it was handwritten and it was from someone that was Jehovah's Witness. Because, you know, from the movies and stereotypes, they knock mm, on doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, they knock on doors, they write letters, and they do phone calls. Mm. I also didn't know all this. So they wrote me, like, a, a letter, and I come to my grandmother, because she's here now, too. And I was like, hi, I think this was for you. And she was like, no, this is for you. I was like, was it your friend? And she was like, no, it's just, you know, random. We do it to everyone. And I was like, okay. My grandmother talked nothing about Jehovah's Witness. Okay. She knows we are not going to be into it, so she just says no words. Mm. Cool. On that letter, there was a little pamphlet about like what the religion is, and I was like, you know, since I'm here, let me see it. So pretty much they believe that there there's going to be an apocalypse. Mm. That is a fact. Mm-hmm. The apocalypse is coming, and they are the chosen people that are going to go to heaven. Mm. And the only way to go to heaven is to follow what they believe in and that's why they talk to everyone Mm. and try to convert everyone to be a jehovah's witness when i found that out i kind of realized why it's like that imagine you knew the truth okay imagine my grandmother she knows she's going to heaven Mm. and she knows all of us like we're gonna burn Mm. like that's why they're so desperate they're literally just trying to help people to go to heaven imagine you know for a fact your daughter is not going like that's why they're like writing letters calling trying to talk to you they're just Mm. really trying to help you out i guess like um on the basic level all religions are kind of like that like if you look at islam or like i'm muslim and Mm -hmm. like other I've, i've also researched into a lot of different religions I guess on the basis is that if you don't believe what we believe in, you're going to hell. And mm-hmm. we're, but I guess Jehovah's Witness, they just take it to another level. Jehovah's Witness, they have a, well, it's a strain from Christianism, mm-hmm. right? Well, who's Jehovah? Je- mm, don't I didn't go yeah. that deep. Like, I don't know. Um, I just read the pamphlet. Yeah. What they kind of believe. Um, is it Jesus? I don't don't quote me on anything. Mm-hmm. Um. But they have, like, a list of things that you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, most yeah, yeah. religions. But it's pretty strict. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a cult. It's considered a cult in Sweden. Mm-hmm. It's not considered a cult in Brazil. So yeah. that's why I never knew mm-hmm. how strange it was until I moved here. But the Jehovah's Witness, like, it's a pretty, like, closed, like, cult. If you don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore and your family is, like, you are cut out from the family like nobody's allowed to have contact with you anymore if you leave the church mm. it's a pretty mm. like this you have to marry within the church you you can't drink you can uh, have sex before marriage like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. all of those things but also they don't celebrate anything good <laughs> mm-hmm. they don't celebrate birthdays they don't celebrate christmas like you're not allowed to do any celebrations because you're gonna do that in heaven okay. kind of <laughs> so my parents like my, my mother and they were not allowed to have christmas mm-hmm. so they grew up pretty revolted about that um and my grandmother she's a jehovah's witness but she also finds her little cuts like when i was a kid she wanted to give me a birthday present mm-hmm. but she can't so she would give me like three days off before uh, or okay. after <laughs> she'd be like Shh, no there's nothing to do with it it's mm-hmm. just a present 
Um. Okay. Cool. But do you want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah, keep going. Um. Maybe I should have gotten your grandmother on the podcast instead. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's she's a little Italian lady. She's mm. super sweet. It's like if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know, mm. because she she literally says nothing about it. So you forget, mm. and then she's like, "I'm going to the cult," and you're like, "Fuck, right, shit." Duh. Does she still attend like church and everything? It's called the cult. Like she says, I'm going to the cult uh-huh. right now. So it's so then you really remember mm. what the fuck. Mm. <laughs> um, culto in Portuguese. Mm. Um, so okay, my grandmother and my grandfather met here in Stockholm on the Jehovah's Witness cult. Is as strange to me as it is to you. <laughs> I promise. Um, and then they had my aunt here, but my grandfather, he was always a little bit, mm, like, not a big fan of Sweden because it's too cold and mm. he just doesn't like it, mm. pretty much. Uh, for all the reasons that we can complain yeah, about yeah, Stockholm, yeah. that's why he wanted to leave. Fair enough. But also because the taxes, taxes are really yeah, high yeah. and he was like, nah, <laughs> I want to be rich. So... They decided to move to Greece then, because that was warm. It was in Europe, la la la. Um, but Greece always had financial problems, mm. and it, they were not making a lot of money there. So, I mean, there's a lot of drama, because you know families have a lot of drama. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think he left my grandmother, and something happened, and then he went back to Italy, and then mm. his mother was like, "You cannot abandon your wife. Go fucking back." Then he went, and then I guess to reconcile the marriage, they were like, "Let's start fresh. Go okay. somewhere new." And at the time, Brazil was an emerging cool country. And if you were um, from Europe or from the United States, whatever, you had incentives to move there because it was really cheap to buy land and like the government will help you with that transaction at the time. Though it was during the military dictatorship mm-hmm. there. But because my grandfather is this old Italian man, for him, it's kind of like, yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Just questionable. But so they moved to Brazil and there my mom was born. So sorry. So my aunt was born in Sweden, my uncle in Greece and my mom in Brazil. Okay. <laughs> so it's a little bit yeah, everywhere. Yeah. It is confusing. Um, and Wait, well, then if they're born there, then they should have uh, nationality of Greece and... Yes. Uh, okay, yeah. Exactly. So my gra- multi Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then I was born in Brazil. But because of my grandmother's decision to become Swedish, I always had the Swedish passport. Mm-hmm. But I have absolutely zero of Swedish. Um, she made a plan. She made a pretty good plan that if something happened to any of the kids, we would always have a plan B. Mm-hmm. And I really admire for it. Because... If she had chosen to keep the Italian one, then fuck, because yeah, yeah. going to Italy is not that easy. Um, but right, my huge story. That's why Sweden. Mm. That's why I came precisely here. What happened? <laughs> so, long story short, because otherwise it'll be an hour here mm. just telling you this story. Uh, my mother was married to this man for 10 years, not my father. Mm. My my mom and my dad they had me when they were quite young, okay. so the marriage didn't work out, um, and that's why I have brothers from my dad's second wedding, mm-hmm. and they are Japanese, actually, because my stepmom is Japanese, so they're half Brazilian, half Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but 
So my mother was married to this man for about 10 years, and I never liked him. They've been together from when I was six to my late teenage years. Okay. Um. So wait, your dad, how long were they together, uh, your dad and your mom? Um, They had me when they were like 19. You and your like blood siblings? Or do you only I have? I only have half. Uh-huh, okay, siblings, okay, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, my mom and my dad were together for maybe four years mm-hmm. or something. But most of those years, they were like finishing high school and going to university. Mm-hmm. So I was raised by my grandparents mm-hmm. that are Italian, mostly. And then when they went to live together, because they still lived at their parents, they yeah, were yeah, like yeah. teenagers. Yeah. Um, when they went to live together, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father is unfortunately... Uh, a drug addict and uh, like a substance abuser and, and an alcoholic so it was really hard on my mother and it was a toxic environment so she broke up with him dope um when i tell these stories about what happened i like to put myself in the place of my mother because when you just say the fact you're like fuck that was obviously not gonna work out but we have to think about the fact that she was 19 yeah yeah and or on her early 20s and i am 24 now i don't know Mm -hmm. a lot because my mother's next move i cannot explain it very well but she married the lawyer that broke up my parents oh i know (laughs) and uh, (laughs) i i think what went on to her mind is like i just had a kid and i need someone with stability yeah. and a good job. And there was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fucking funny. So she married the lawyer that separated my parents. And she was with him for 10 years. Never liked him. He was one of those people that just comes into a room. Mm-hmm. And the room becomes weird. He was always very creepy. He was always... You could see that there was some darkness mm-hmm. into him. But like... And he was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like a good lawyer. So it's... it's they're usually not really good people. No hate, no lawyers. Yeah, people like, always say lawyers are liars. So. Yeah. <laughs> Used to say something really ugly that was uh, lawyers are like prostitutes. You give to the highest bidder. Mm. So you can see what kind of person he was. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up with him. And I always knew he was uh, there was something wrong with him. And I was scared of him. And um, by the time they broke off, you said 10 years and so how old were you then when they broke up? I think around 10 years. I, I don't remember. Uh, they got together when I was six. So 16 And then Yeah, mm-hmm. around 15, 16 mm-hmm. was when they broke up. I moved to Sweden when I was fresh 17. Okay. Um, But my birthday's in January. So at the beginning of the year when I was 17. Um, So what happened is that when I was about 15, 16, they separated and he dumped her cool, that's fine. My mother moved on. We moved on. He went out of the house. I was so happy. Um, And then my mother has a type, so he started drinking a lot, started doing a lot of drugs. Nothing to do with my mother. He dumped her. But um, something clicked on him, and he started to text my mother all the time. And then, like, all day. Mm-hmm. And then that proceeded to 24-7. If someone is texting you 24-7, yeah, yeah. they are not sleeping. They're not sleeping. They're doing drugs. Mm-hmm. If they're continuously doing drugs, not sleeping and texting you, something bad is going to come out mm-hmm. of that. Don't recommend. Um, the super sting, uh, clingy stalker type. 
Yeah, but the more you do drugs and don't sleep and your obsession keeps rolling into mm-hmm. your head, the more dangerous that becomes. Uh, so at the beginning, he was just texting her all the time. And then he started saying, like, oh, I'm going around the street at night to make sure that you're at home and that there's no one there. And my mother didn't tell me this at the time. Mm-hmm. I was living my best life. I was partying. I was like, oh, my God, he's out of my house. And then that proceeded to him telling my mother that he bought a gun. Then that proceeded for him to tell my mother that he's watching the house at night with the gun to make sure that there's no one there. And, and my mother had another boyfriend at the time. Like, mm. they they broke up when I was 15, and we moved to Sweden when I was 17. So there was one yeah. year mm-hmm. where my mother moved on and yeah. everything was fine. Um, one night, uh, my mother was out at her boyfriend's house, and I was out in the city partying. I shouldn't, but I had a fake ID, <laughs> and I had all the freedom in the world, unsupervised. My mother was having a blast. So was I. Um, I'm coming back after a night out in the city, and it's like 6 a.m. or something, and I'm going down the street to find my house, like out of the bus stop, mm-hmm. going down. And... Um, you know when you're like really hangover and you just want your bed. I like, don't drink, so I have oh, no idea. Oh, you don't drink. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll describe for other people when you're really hangover and like you're like almost at your bed, like you can almost like feel your pillow, and you're like, oh my god, what do I have on my fridge? And you're making like a mental map of your fridge. Mm-hmm. I know you don't know, but believe me. I'm and then I was doing that. I was like holding my keys. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have a sandwich. And then I, I arrived to my street and I looked down and like all of my neighbors are around my house. And I'm like, well, that's suspicious. That shouldn't be happening. So I, I get close to my house and they all look at me and they're like, what the fuck? And then I'm fucking drunk and I'm like, I trying not to be drunk because I was 15. I'm not supposed to be. And I'm like, I don't know. And then I looked and there's a hole in my garage with a car in it oh shit! so like in my house like it was made out of glass so like he almost went into my living room so there was almost like a car in my living room at 6 a.m on a sunday that was not supposed to be there and i just fucking wanted to sleep so i go inside through the hole because (laughs) no need for a door anymore and i sit on the couch and i call my mother and i say you have to where was she she was at her boyfriend's house. Uh-huh, okay. Nothing was going to happen. It was a Saturday night. Uh, so I call my mother and I tell her, you got to come back mm-hmm. now. And she's super pissed. She's like, oh my God, it's like six in the morning. Like fucking, you're, you're big. You're fine. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like you have to come right now. And then she realized it was serious. And as she were aware that everything was going on, she came back home. Like we both sat on the couch, just looking at the hole in my garage. Like, oh, fuck oh fuck and that was the first time i had to pack all of my shit and mm. leave my house so we went to my grandmother's and uh, Did the police catch him or something brazil <laughs> so we went to my grandmother's and then we went to the police and everything and uh, brazil mm-hmm. um they told my mother that that man hit his own house with his own car so there was nothing they could do. Uh-huh. And the house was on his name. The house was not on his name, but they lived together for uh, okay, 10 okay. years. So it was practically like, he, you see, they just didn't want to do anything mm-hmm. about it. Um, They're like, oh, it's a domestic issue. So let them solve themselves. Yeah, uh-huh. there's a saying in Portuguese, uh, 
briga de marido e mulher, ninguém põe a colher, which means like a fight between a husband and a wife, you, you don't put your mm -hmm. spoon in it. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it was kind of like that. And one police officer like heard this when she was at the station and he said, I'm so sorry, but they're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I recommend you find another way. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not going to get solved. Corrupt country. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, we moved to my grandmother's that night and my mother and my grandmother didn't talk. So it was, I knew mm -hmm. it was that's pretty serious. Um, and the problem is my mother and, and her ex-husband, they had a company together. My mother's a dentist, but they made a company mm -hmm. together. So that's how she made her money. They had a joint account and everything. When he did this, he also cut out all of like our accounts. And, um, well, she couldn't work with him anymore, you know? Because, like, you put a yeah, car in my course, fucking yeah. house. So, out of nowhere, she was homeless and she was jobless. Mm. And we were like, fuck, what now? And Brazil is Brazil. It, I love it. I love it. It's the best place in the world. But we got to admit, there's a lot of issues. So, when that happened, it was also the beginning of an economical crisis in Brazil. And she was a dentist, but she didn't perform for many years because they had that company. So for her to just go out there and get a job and be able to sustain our middle class level that we had at the time, pay for my school because mm -hmm. there you have to pay for your education, et cetera, et cetera. It's too many bills. There was just no way. Um, that's where the plan B came through. Mm -hmm. Before we moved to Sweden, like she said we were going to go to Canada and then she said we were going to go to America and then she said this and that to the point that when she said we were coming to Sweden, I didn't really believe it. I was just like, yeah, fucking sure, we'll go to Sweden. Like, that's so random. Like, the same way that nobody talked about Jehovah's Witness in my house, nobody ever mentioned anything about Sweden. I mean, zero things. My grandmother, poor blessed woman. But because she is Italian and she grew up with very strong male figures that yeah. probably told her to shut up her whole life, she just didn't talk to us about things. When we moved here, she started to speak, and I'm really happy for her. Mm -hmm. And like now she can share something that she grew up with. But best believe me, she said zero things about Sweden my whole life. I just had a passport. It was as random as anything else in my life. Well, but the end of the year came, and they bought the tickets, and then I was just here. Yeah. This is kind of how I got here. It's and, and with your grandmother. No, just me and my oh, mother. Oh, she's still in Brazil. Yeah. Mm. No, no. It was me and my mother. We came here. We've been here for six, almost seven years. And then three years ago, uh, my grandmother and my aunt came. Mm -hmm. What happened is that each of the children, it was three, they all fucked up or something fucked up happened. And they all eventually came to Sweden. It's beautifully, tragically poetic <laughs> because my grandma always knew. She mm -hmm. kind of just... After the last kid came, she just came. She was like, yep, there you go. We're all back now. <laughs> and, and it's just really funny in a way. Um, yeah, that was my really long story <laughs> of why I'm really here. Really interesting. Thank you. When you thought your family was in trouble, I thought maybe you were involved in some Brazil Brazilian cartel yeah, or something. Everyone, everyone <laughs> thinks that when I say, like, yeah, some fucked up shit, dude. You're not waiting for the car. Mm. No, no, no mafia story. Just unfortunately some uh, stalker situation mm. i am a bit concerned about that still because well no one can blame me for but um 
I do things for the internet now. Mm. And I am, in a way, concerned that, like, he will find my things or he will find this and whatever. So I, I try not to talk about it a lot on the internet, but uh, but I did many times. I don't think he will. I think we are, like, he's married again. He has mm. a kid. It's fine. But I don't know. This man is crazy. Yeah. Are you still in touch with your biological dad? Mm. So, as I said, my father is an alcoholic and a substance abuser and a lot of people are and a lot of people go through this and they try to get better better and move on from it and i would never judge him for his past if that's what he tried to do mm. but he didn't he never looked for help mm. he never um tried to get better he has three kids and he pretty much abandoned all of them mm. Because he will, just like he did to my mother, he will marry a woman that works really hard and he'll have kids with them and then he'll have his life settled. Like the woman will, the woman will cook and do this and take care of him. Blah, blah, blah. And he'll just go out to the bar and get drunk every night. Eventually they'll dump him and then he keeps doing that all the time. Um, he cheated on my mother. He cheated on his other wife. And so, like, I don't have a lot of contact with him i love my brothers i love my brothers to death and when they were born i would go see him in his house and i would stay there for my brothers because they're so fucking cute um and i love my stepmother she's she's a saint just how my mother was with him um and i still do i'll go to see my stepmother for christmas if i'm in brazil i know where my father is but i i don't talk to him and um for me like that's the best decision because i know my father and he does uh we call it emotional blackmail mm -hmm. in portuguese yeah, yeah. like he never called me once since i moved to sweden and all that i just told you happened mm -hmm. he's very well aware of that mm -hmm. he's my father he should at least ask are you okay called me zero times but once one time i tried to talk to him and then he started saying you're a horrible daughter like you don't call me anymore mm -hmm. Dude, come on. At least say hi mm. once in a while. Yeah, I mean, you're the adult. It's your responsibility. Hello? My life got <laughs> twisted upside down. He didn't pay alimony, like, my whole life. Mm. Could at least say hi. Anyway. um, I am sorry for my father. Because I know he has a disease. Like, I know he has an addiction. And up to a certain point, it's not his fault. He has an addiction. It's something you need to get help and something really hard to overcome. But, but that doesn't justify me getting yeah. hurt for the rest of my life yeah, because yeah. of his addiction. Yeah. If he tried even a little bit, then I could consider. But for me, I don't like that whole like blood is thicker than water thing. Mm. Because, no, if your family is bad for you and doesn't support you and help you or care for you and just brings you pain and drama it's okay you don't have to stay with them forever to through like thick and thin if someone is horrible to you you're allowed to leave mm. and if that's what you need then do that i see my whole father's family i just don't see him i just don't mm. want contact with him i know what he's gonna say and I got to a point where, because I've tried, I've tried talking to him. Mm. This wasn't just a random thing, right? I know what he's going to say. And, like, 
anything could there's like two things that can happen and none of those it would help me yeah. in any way he could apologize a thousand times and say he's gonna get better and that he doesn't which he did multiple times throughout my life or he can just like pretend everything is cool and we'll be buddies now which i can't really do yeah. unfortunately so yeah. it's a bit like that people say um oh but you should see your father mm. um before you before he maybe he passes away or something and um maybe that's something i would think about in the future but it's mm. not what i can do for now mm. growing up like what was your sense how did you look up to your mother like when you saw your mother as like a mother figure mm -hmm. like would you say like uh, like she, since she's been through all this shit mm -hmm. did you see her like oh she's like a strong independent woman and she's like being going through all this stuff she's still strong and she still cares for her kids mm -hmm. or were you more like like why is she making these bad decisions over and over again what was your sense um when you grow up in a i don't want to say a toxic family because that's not really it but Maybe the environment was toxic the environment was toxic but it's it's not just that when you grow up in a family that pretty much everyone struggles with mental illness what? um i was just asking for help because i feel no bad. no no that's nothing when you grow up in a in a family that pretty much everyone struggles with mental illnesses um and have like generational like toxicity mm -hmm. that's not the word there's a word for it like generational General trauma trauma mm -hmm. yeah um it can be very overwhelming and stuff so my opinion about my mother and how i see her has changed throughout the years because as you get older like there's a very different reality that you live when you're a child and you're watching things happen and then when you're an adult and you realize how the world is mm. so as i said i'd like to put myself in my mother's shoes because now i am 24 and i know that my mother had me younger than me and then i have to think about my entire life and realize that she was younger than me today i don't know if i would have been able to mm. you see so growing up i've seen my mother go through a lot and maybe i've judged and questioned some of her decisions but she didn't she didn't knew better she, she didn't know better um how much can i judge a 19 year old that yeah. is desperate you see but at the same time she's an incredibly strong woman um she had a kid when she was 19 and then her father forced her to not go to university she was going to be a doctor mm -hmm. but she got pregnant so for my fa grandfather oh you got pregnant now you need to get married now mm -hmm. you're not going to study mm -hmm. um so she got into um odontology because it was easier than uh, uh, medicine and then she had a lot of fights with the family she was like you cannot make me not study mm -hmm. and get married to this random man mm -hmm. that i've been hooking up for a few months like my father wasn't the love of my mother's yeah. life it was something that happened abortion is illegal in brazil it was something that happened so she proceeded to have a baby 
go to university and have an abusive relationship all at the same time, which is pretty hard. I don't think I could go through that. Um, my grandparents took care of me most of the time because she was in school, but my mother was always loving and she, she I know she did her best. It is questionable if her best was good enough for some situations, but I know she always tried and I know she always did her best. But imagine being 20 and having all of that. Yeah, Are you going to do good decisions? I don't think so. <laughs> so she had that and then she had another toxic relationship and then she had all this shit happen to her. And I've seen my mother try to commit suicide a few times during my life. And it was something really hard to deal and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But she never did because she had me and she knew she had to be here for me. Um, and this is not something that she's told me. She doesn't really like to talk about uh, the suicides because I'm her daughter, not for any other reason. But um, that's what I've seen. And while she was married to my stepfather and while I was a teenager, my mother was everything I didn't want it to become. She had a kid too soon. Now she was financially dependent on some dude that she doesn't even like because they were married for 10 years, but it wasn't a good marriage. So basically, she didn't follow her dream profession. She ruined her life, per se. I know I'm not... Because when, I, when you say this, it sounds really strong. It's like, oh, I wish I wasn't here. No, it's not that. But from an objective point of view... She had a plan, and unfortunately, other things happened, and she fucked up her plan, let's say. So she was everything I didn't want it to be. I didn't want to end up in the couch living with some dude I don't even like because now we have a good, stable financial life. I didn't want it to be there. When all of this happened, we lost everything. The house, the money, all of it. So in the third world country, just not a good thing. So we moved to Sweden. And I've watched my mom struggle through depression her whole life. And I saw her come to Sweden, learn Swedish perfectly, go to Karolinska, which is one of the hardest mm -hmm. universities here, get another degree, become a nurse, specialize in something that she's passionate about, build a whole entire life, and now be financially independent and in the best like place of her life. Now she doesn't depend on anyone she cut mm -hmm. off. Some people from her family that were toxic for her, like my grandfather. Mm -hmm. But I've seen her become what I want to be. Mm -hmm. So my appreciation for my mother def definitely shifted through the years because she's grown so much. She had me when she was a kid. Mm -hmm. She had to grow up in a different way and say it that way. And now she's happy. She has an apartment for the first time. She has a healthy relationship. We have a cute dog. Mm -hmm. And she has a job that she loves. And she was finally diagnosed correctly with what she had. Mm -hmm. Because she has autism and ADHD. And in Brazil, it's really easy to get misdiagnosed. It's faster than it is in Sweden. But it, there's not so much work put into it. Mm -hmm. In Sweden, when you want to get diagnosed with something, uh, there's a group of doctors, five doctors maybe, that are going to decide and argue between them what you have or not. And it takes a long time for them to make a good decision, uh, like a good studied, well thought out mm -hmm. decision of what you have. While in Brazil, it's one doctor that talks to you a few times and it's like, yeah, you have this. So she was diagnosed with everything. 
during her life and she took a lot of medicine that was wrong and while taking those medicines she had so many psychoses yeah. right but now she's correctly diagnosed she has everything she wanted and everything that i wanted to be so mm. i'm really happy for my mother here yeah it's a weird way how life works that you cannot get strong and independent and all those good characteristics that we look up to without struggling really bad without going through some really bad shit mm -hmm. but nobody wants to go that really no. bad shit mm -hmm. especially when i think about like i'm really interested in the topic of like uh, how kids are brought up and uh, like there's no instruction manual that comes with like how to raise a kid and it's the i think the most difficult biggest responsibility a person could have is raising another human being and you want to protect them you want to be that supervisor and that uh, provide them with the security but you don't want to spoil them you know also but that's the thing nobody wants their child to go through a lot of bad things but if they don't if they'll just like keep them in a bubble then they're not going to grow up to have that thick skin or have those good characteristics that's a really weird dynamic but i think everybody just has to go through with them it's really hard mm. it's simply just really hard right um because well i'm brought up with generational trauma mm. is that the word yeah that's the word good mm. <laughs> um so i know that in my case it's like in my mother's and my family's and the people i see around you around me um you want to do better than your parents mm. you want to not fuck up your kids the way your parents fucked you up but at the same time you have the trauma that you've been through and you need to not pass mm. that to your kids so it's a it's a big challenge it's mm. like i'm gonna do everything different but wait what if i do everything different and then it's new trauma yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's exactly. really hard but i think it's really interesting how our relationship to our parents changes throughout mm. life that when you're a kid they know everything and and you have a perspective of mm. what your parents are and then you grow up and you start to get closer to their age and you you start to rethink your life mm. and their decisions and maybe you agree maybe you disagree but it becomes more of a real person mm. per se and not just a parent mm. and it's very beautiful because our mm -hmm. parents are just people, you know? Mm -hmm. They're just chilling, trying to do their thing. And then they had you. Yeah, I think the the big change comes when we're at their age, almost. Like, my parents also had their first kid 22-ish or something. My mom was 22 or something like that. And now I can't even imagine me having a kid at that age. I think when you reach th that age, then you realize, hey, like, all your life i've been i've grown up thinking my parents are the adults they know everything they're always right and then you realize suddenly hey that's not true like they're just like, like i know nothing now i'm mm -hmm. just like, i still consider myself like i don't know if it, i'm an adult or maturity that's like a broad term and then then you kind of forgive a lot of things that your parents did because you know they're not perfect as you thought they were and because it's harder than it seems, right? Um, that's why I say, like, yeah, maybe my mom did some very questionable decisions or things or maybe her method of trying mm. to teach me about life maybe it was too harsh because I saw a lot that I shouldn't be mm. seeing when I was a kid. Um, 
but she fucking tried her best. Mm. Like, if you think about her situation, I don't know if I would have done better. I, I don't know if I would have done the same, if I would have done different. It's really hard. Mm. It's you, you grow up and, and you realize that the world is really hard. That doesn't mean it's any less beautiful, but it's just a bit harder than you thought it was when you were a kid. Um, but why are you here? Talking to you? No, no, I don't no. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so cool. Um, why are you in Sweden? Oh, I don't have a long, <laughs> complicated no, story okay. like that, but um, it's just mainly that my dad actually came here in from 2000 to 2004. He lived here and he didn't see like us, uh, me and my three siblings uh, until like, you know, during those four years. Mm -hmm. So we only talked to him on those like shitty internet connections <laughs> and all that like really pixelated like video chats whatever so i don't know i have like really i don't have a lot of memories uh, as a kid uh with my dad and then uh something happened he had to like he was you know like a person living alone and his wife and kids are in another country like it's hard you can't live like that for very long mm -hmm. so he came back and then started his business in pakistan and then things were going okay, but then uh, I think similar situation to Brazil that you have to pay school, college, university, everything, and then the economy isn't that really good and businesses aren't really doing good, plus security issue. There's just so many things going on that it's hard for a person to uh, like raise a family. The government doesn't really help very much. Yeah. You're just on your own. So, and my uncle and his family have been living here for like all their lives and just suddenly like they're why not apply for it to come? And our visa got accepted, so that's why we moved here. Sweden is a great plan B. But <laughs> my parents did get deported last year. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, there was a plot twist. Yeah. Oh, no. Are they trying to come back? They are trying, but it's really hard. They got deported with my two other siblings. Oh, and fuck. so my brother came back after a year. So now he's here. But my youngest sister, she's still there. Okay. If I may ask, why did they get deported but you uh, didn't? All of us were getting deported okay. because our all of our visa were connected to my dad's. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, when we were getting deported, during that whole like red tape going through the bureaucracy, me, I got like a work permit from my work and my sister got her separate work permit. So that's why we were able to stay. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the rest of them had to go. I see. And I guess now to get a visa is way harder than it was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Plus, um, the rule is my dad, since he got deported, he cannot apply for a visa for two years. Why did he get deported? Because I heard just like some red tape documents issue. Like, okay. there's like, I've heard so many stories about where like mm. people, especially with work permits, if you miss a deadline or your employer fucks up, like you have to leave. Like, Shit. Yeah. So... I really, I don't even know the details. It was just some complicated shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I had this question about you that growing up we never really had like a father figure or like a good father figure. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's this typical like term with like girl with daddy issues and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, what what is your perception like? Um, are you insecure when developing relationships? Are you like, oh, all of my life that I haven't really had a good um, role model or like a role model for relationships? Mm -hmm. So basically, what are my traumas with my daddy issues? Yeah, like, no, 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 basically in related to yeah, yeah. Relationship, 
relationships specifically specifically towards relationships yeah. and then plus also you have like generational trauma anxiety mm-hmm. and all that all this like crap that's like just yeah, inside yeah. your head no no of course that's a very interesting question because it is on my mind mm-hmm. um but basically you want to know what are the consequences towards relationships by growing up with generational trauma yeah is it like not just like uh, love relationships i'm talking about meeting new friends developing mm-hmm. close connections with friends or also like love relationships is mm-hmm. it like is it okay for you or do you feel a lot of anxiety um so because i've grown up in that family i think it's very bittersweet because at the same time that it can be incredibly sad it's also comforting because we all have those things mm-hmm. right we all have consequences from our trauma and because i am raised in a family that has a lot of trauma and my mom my aunt they all went to therapists their whole life we have a very open communication about everything that happened and everything that happened so i've grown up talking about mm-hmm. the issues that may occur or the things that are going to happen and seeing them go through life dealing with their trauma so in a way to learn what to do and what not to do and la 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 but of course um when you grow up in a broken family um and you see bad relationships around you all the time um it becomes hard for you to believe that relationships in general like love mm. relationships that they work um or that maybe is even is that even worth investing in because yeah. i've seen my mom's life get twisted upside down because of someone um so it definitely creates very severe trust issues mm. Um, I am, I was aware my entire life that it was gonna come out some way. So since a very early age, because I love psychology and I actually wanted to be a psychologist, I've put a lot of work into trying to figure out how exactly it affected me. Where is it coming off? Because actually in my general life, day to day, friends, relationships, no, it's actually really fine. Um, I've come to terms with everything that happened because I wouldn't be the person that I am mm. if that didn't happen to me. As sad and as hard as everything was for me growing up, uh, I'm a better person because of it. I am. I truly am. I've learned a lot and I've seen a lot of bad and therefore I want to be the furthest away from it mm. as possible. I seek for goodness. I want goodness. I, I want to spread goodness. And I want to be really fucking far away from violence and, uh, you know, and drug abuse mm. and all that. Because I've seen what happens. I've seen the bad side and I, I'm trying to be on the good side. Mm. Um, so in my general life, friends, relationships, no, it's really fine. Um, the only place that I can clearly see it's when I get into a relationship. And what happens is that when, well, your father figure that's the first men let's say that you trust and when that bond is broken or there's trauma creating from that um it shifts your perception about what good and bad is it's pretty much uh there's a thing that called like uh discomfort and comfort mm-hmm. and that when you're used to chaos when something's not chaotic you feel uncomfortable because you're so used to 
having problems in a toxic environment all the time that when things are fine you feel like there's something wrong you feel uncomfortable and that is something that you have to work out and you have mm. to teach your brain that that's okay that you should not seek for discomfort that you should not seek for toxic environments even though those feel like home mm. and because i'm so used to, i was so used to chaos obviously the first relationships that i got into they reflected a lot of the issues that i've seen with my father and with my stepfather because that's all you know mm. when you grow up you have you learn from the relationships around you so if relationships are supposed to look like that you're gonna look for that and even if you try your hardest not to it might happen anyway yeah, yeah. because i didn't seek out to find a partner just like my father uh i know very well that he has a lot of issues and i don't want that for me and regardless i dated someone just like my father you don't see it also mm. so that was my daddy issues thing freud will explain like you will seek someone that looks like your uh, that feels like your parents um ew <laughs> it was not my intention but i did realize that after a while because i had a very toxic relationship um the import there are issues i have severe trust issues i have severe commitment issues um that come from all of this and the first step is to realize that you have these mm. things cool now what are you gonna do about it are you gonna perpetuate those generational traumas are you gonna perpetuate in the cycle or are you gonna break out of the cycle so you need to go to therapy you need to do some intense soul searching and you need to apply changes so therefore if you have commitment issues you need to think about why what are the things that trigger your commitment issues and you obviously need to find a partner that you are free to communicate those issues so that you can both work through mm -hmm. them um in order to get better yeah. if you don't go through all this work it's never going to get better because naturally you're used to chaos and you're addicted to it this is how life is but it's not how life needs to be mm -hmm. you can't change it just takes a lot of work yeah no i can totally relate to that like you enjoy in chaos like when things are going if i have like three continuous normal days i'm like something big bad is about to happen <laughs> yeah it's this like uh it's been good for too many days and yeah. what's gonna happen mm. and that's that's really sad because we shouldn't we shouldn't think like mm. that but it it takes effort it takes realizing that you're doing that mm. so that you can com confront these thoughts but yeah i think when you're developing relationships like it's hard to find a partner who is like patient enough for you to go through communication and you know healing process and all that because i mean uh, of course it's it is tough for the person who is dealing with stuff but it's also tough for the partner as well if you're like new in a like fairly new into a relationship you're like like this girl is crazy or this guy is mm -hmm. crazy why am i putting up with all this bullshit you know yes it is it is really hard but in a way because it's hard you're gonna have to seek out for genuinely good people mm. otherwise it's not gonna work out yeah and <laughs> if someone bad. sticks by you through all that process then yeah. obviously you're at the end of the day your relationship is gonna be stronger than ever yes but you also have to like again because 
if you have I hate daddy issues because like fucking porn and life mm-hmm. just like ruined that word forever but if you have uh, problems uh, trauma related to your parents um you may find someone that sticks by your mm. issues but that doesn't necessarily make them good yep. and it's really hard because you're gonna believe that someone that sticks by or that puts up with your shitty relationship or with your shitty reactions oh because they put up with me therefore they're good mm. it's absolutely not yeah. true um and that's how you end up in really bad situations because you get to a point, okay, let's say, now I realize I have these issues and I do understand that this is my baggage. Therefore, I need to find someone. And the polite thing to do is to present your baggage and explain. Because mm-hmm. you should do that before getting into a relationship. You shouldn't let someone fall in love with you and then just be like, huh, by the way, this is all my shit. Mm-hmm. Um, right? And then you're going to believe that the first person that says, like, that's fine. Oh, they're the love of my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. No, <laughs> it's a, it's a trap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think communication is key, and a lot of soul searching. Yeah, like yeah. you, you need to have a mindset that you're aware of this and you're trying to change. And such, and your partner as well. We all have baggage. This is mine, yeah, but yeah. someone else is bringing their own. You need to work through it together. Yeah, I, for a long time I struggled with that. Like if I think about like looking for when i'm thinking about looking for a partner i'm like if i go for a person who has like very minimal baggage compared to mine then we're not going to be suitable because they're not going to put up with my shit they don't know how it feels like to go through having to deal with these mental issues and blah 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 they're not going to have the patience and then on the flip side if i think about okay maybe if i go for a person who's like kind of damaged mm-hmm. maybe damaged not the word maybe they have issues the mm-hmm. same way as me maybe the relationship will work better because they recognize uh like my like trauma responses and all those kind of things and it will be relatable to them they might be more patient but i mean that's not really true because either either way like if uh, like it could be that you're coming with your issues and they're coming with their issues and just like you create like double the amount of issues. So yeah. it's like uh, what you said is really right. Like uh, fairly early in the relationship, you need to be very honest with like, okay, like this is what I'm dealing with and this is what I do to make myself, uh, you know, feel better and function and whatever, whatever. I, I mm. think that if you don't do that, there's no way mm. that it's going to work because realistically, what is the other option? Are you going to hide mm. all of your problems forever from that person? Yeah. First of all, you're <laughs> lying to them. Second of all, you're lying to yourself and you're putting yourself through so much trouble to try to hide it that it's going to get to a point where mm. you're going to be burned out because you're just trying to hide all your problems mm. all the time and act um, normal let's say and that that doesn't work that simply doesn't work one day you're gonna have a a breakdown and mm-hmm. to the other person it's gonna seem like where the mm-hmm. fuck did that came from it's not good um so what you said is yeah it's pretty much what everyone that has like issues has to deal with with like oh should i find a partner that is like normal mm-hmm. let's say that's a horrible word as well but it is what comes mm-hmm. through your mind when you're in that 
uh, should I find someone normal or should I find someone that's broken like me? Like, I've applied that in my late teenage years, my young adult life. I'm still a young adult. So, um, I applied that thought and I failed for both sides. <laughs> so, my first relationship, I was like, ah, oh, just like me, this is gonna work out. Doesn't. Because what? It fucking doesn't. Um, it can. Of course it can. But I mean, me, with all of my daddy issues, with all of my mm. generational trauma, it was it was almost impossible that I was going to get it on the first try. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And I ended up dating someone that was just like my father. And I ended up like... Plus, when you're young, you don't know what relationships, how do they work. No, <laughs> yeah. and like, honestly, I had no fucking chance. Mm. Like, it... it I think about this with um, a lot of compassion for my younger self. Because for many years, I was angry at myself. Mm. Like, how can you do this? But nowadays, it's like, I didn't know better. I had no fucking shot. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, then I was like, someone broken like me. I'll fix them. Because my dad is shit. I'll fix him. Mm. Don't, don't, people, whoever's listening, don't, don't do it. You can't fix them. No, Look into the chat there. Yes, <laughs> you can't fix them. <laughs> Is my ex in the chat? Like no. Um, cool. And then on my relationship right after this one, let's say that in a way I did just like my mother. I was like, no, now I'll find someone. You make a list, right? Everyone does that. You make a list out of the things that the person needs to have. So like, oh, they're shit together. Do you have a job? And this, this, this. So I made a list in my mind of what I thought was the perfect person, right? Oh. And in a way, of course, it was my rebound relationship. I tried to find someone that was the complete opposite mm. of this person. And then really young, right? So <laughs> you're still learning. I was like, oh, I'll do better in all of the problems from the first relationship. Mm. So this one's going to be perfect. And I found someone that had their shit together and they had an apartment. They were studying and they were going to do good in life or whatever. And then I've come to realize throughout that relationship that just because someone has their shit together, that doesn't mean they're a good person. Mm. That is a hard lesson to learn, but it's true. Like you can make how however many lists you want to make. That doesn't mean that it's gonna be a good person just because they fulfill this crazy criteria yeah. that you put in your head to protect yourself from making mistakes like your parents. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. Oh fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So hard one to swallow. So then I stayed away from relationships for a while, which was the best decision for me. And now that I'm older, um, I think about the whole thing differently. So we all have problems. Um, I have my baggage. You have your baggage. We all have that. It's not so much as how much baggage someone has, but it's more like, what are they doing with it? Mm -hmm. You need to find, if you're someone that is trying to improve you need to find someone that has a similar mindset to you. Of course, like, maybe someone has a baggage that is too much for you, and no one's going to judge you for not being with someone that has issues that you can't deal with. That's your choice. That's fine. But I think it's really important to find someone that is trying to get better, just like you, so you can understand each other and you can help each other. If you want to be like, oh, I want someone with this kind of job, that that's fine. But I think the most important thing is to find someone that has a similar mindset than you. I believe that I need someone that has a little bit of experience with ADHD mm -hmm. because that's what I have. 
um, if they don't understand me at all, I don't think it can work. Um, but to find someone that has a similar mindset, that has similar goals to you, because something else that changes from teenage years to adulthood, because or, or childhood to adulthood, we grow up watching these movies, mm -hmm. right? About the perfect romance, about the person that you're going to be for the rest of your life, and about how it's always perfect and it feels amazing 100% of the time. And then, and you're going to fall in love, and love is all that matters and all you need. And then you grow up and you realize that relationships, although should be based around love and, and liking each other and whatnot, there's also way more stuff that comes into play. Like, if I'm dating someone and I don't want to live in Sweden and they want to live in Sweden, it has nothing to do with how much we love each other. It's just that we have different ideas yeah. of what life's going to be. You need to find a best friend. You need to find a partner. The oh my god, I fell in love with this guy at the club this night. That that <laughs> doesn't mm, that's fifteen years old. It it's not enough, unfortunately. It's not enough to just fall in love with someone. You need mm -hmm. to find a best friend. Yeah. Someone that you're not gonna be ashamed to talk about your trauma and you're not gonna be ashamed to oh my god, I over exaggerated the situation. That's because I have trust issues i realize and i'm sorry you need to be able to feel comfortable having these conversations mm -hmm. because if you have commitment issues if you have trust issues sometimes not on purpose and not coming from a bad place where you might freak out or react about things or overthink things you need to be with someone that understands you mm -hmm. and you need to know how to voice those things because mm -hmm. it's not fair for them if you're just acting crazy for yeah, no yeah. reason yeah, like a typical person would be like, hey, my three characteristics I look are like patience, sense of humor, and you're like, hey, ADHD, <laughs> they should have some kind of childhood trauma. <laughs> they should go no, to therapy. I don't, I don't want them to have any of that. <laughs> I, I want people to be who they are, and I want to see, like, if we have a similar mm -hmm. mindset and the same, same morals. Like, morals are very important for me. Mindset, ambition is very important for me. So... I need a partner, I need a best friend, so mm -hmm. I need someone like that. Um, I forgot. <laughs> it was good to hear that uh, you talk about how your family, like they've been going through therapy for a very long time and in your household it was very open to talk about yeah. those things. But in my personal experience, it's like the environment where I come from in like my family and just like the Pakistani community in general, mm -hmm. we're just like, what is mental health like what are yeah. you talking about go pray and it's just like sadness it will go away and people don't really think about like uh, oh uh, if someone is like insecure or has some uh, anxiety people will be like oh he's just shy or he's just quiet you know mm -hmm. and then we don't address it and if it's like a kid then that's the worst thing because if you're not addressing it uh, it's just gonna the kids is gonna grow up like thinking that that's just normal mm -hmm. but that and that's not normal and these things really show up when you're like in a relationship or when you get married and then you're like uh maybe all your life like you're being told that hey you have anxiety but you're being told that hey, you're just quiet and it's fine mm -hmm. like you know uh it doesn't really matter but when it comes to maybe you're married and that's the main like you have to 
uh, that's the main point is where you have to make communication being honest and being open and you cannot do that like uh, i follow this pakistani youtuber and people send him a lot of personal questions and most of them are like uh, wives are or like husbands they're like saying my partner has his issues and the family doesn't address them and he's mm-hmm. just like uh before the marriage there's someone else and after the marriage they turn out to be someone else mm-hmm. and people are just like mo- it's mostly towards the girls that you tell them hey you need to be more patient just put up with whatever the shit is mm-hmm. and yeah I-, i really believe that um while we're kids like maybe in school or in media we need to be more open about like uh, what is anxiety what is depression what are the symptoms what are the signs how could you like if you see it in your kids or if you see it in yourself mm-hmm. how to get help where to get help from and it's good to see mostly in the western countries or western uh, environment where people are being more open about it in social media and stuff like that and we are talking about it like this i don't think if i was in pakistan i would ever come up with this idea mm-hmm. or i would ever be talking about this mm-hmm. and i think like that's a good thing that we are progressing slowly towards a world we are where we there's more research being done on mental mental health issues and all that mm-hmm. but i think a lot more work could be done even now i mean it's it's mainly because like uh old people like boomers they're like uh they're just like so stuck in their own ways they're like whatever it is what it is we're not going to change mm-hmm. and they're like uh yeah if you're just sad go pray or like especially i hate it when they say oh we grew up like this as well so you should be able to grow up like that yeah that's not an yeah. like if you're you want your kids not to grow up as yourself you want them to be better that should be the goal for every parent mm-hmm. that I don't want my kid to go through all the stuff I went Shouldn't through. Shouldn't perpetuate your trauma. Yeah. <laughs> not good. They're like, oh, I went to school. You know, yeah. the typical joke is for like, yeah, but that your goal should be to make a better future for no, your kids. No, no, no. Just pay attention. <laughs> just pay more attention. Yeah. Or you have anxiety. Just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Just go for a walk. Yeah. Like, no, for sure. But the reality is that my country is the same. Uh, that's why I say it's bittersweet because I was born in a family where everyone went to therapy mm. because of their generational trauma. Um, but that's how it is in my country. I didn't realize I had ADHD until I moved to Sweden. Mm. And then, because in my country, it's a taboo. Because in my country, you're just not paying attention. Mm. You're just not working hard enough. So I, I had no idea growing up that I had ADHD. And neither did my mother, and neither did anyone in my family because... That's not a thing. Um, that's why I say they were wrongly diagnosed their mm-hmm. whole lives. Um, what was my question? Mm-hmm. And um, but how did you first uh, like realize you have ADHD? So, actually, when I was a, a kid, when I was like five, six, four, I don't know, my mother thought I might have ADHD because I was really I couldn't focus on anything, and I was I, I always talked like this. I always talked way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a pretty big symptom of ADHD, which I love it. I'm really happy I have it. Works for your streaming. It works for my streaming. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love talking. <laughs> but, um, but my mother thought I had it. So she took me to the psychologist when I was a kid. And the psychologist said, probably, but she'll grow out of it. Mm-hmm. No, no, you don't. 
bitch what the fuck um and my mother um forgot to tell me i swear to god like she like forgot i don't know maybe she thought i did grow out of it and then one beautiful day in sweden when i moved here and life got way harder because when you live like middle class in brazil or not even middle class but in brazil it, the culture is way different than it's here just like in pakistan like it's way different like you, you live with your parents like you go to private school uh you have people on your ass like your mother and when you move to sweden there's such a big cultural shock that here it's way more individual here you have way more responsibilities also growing up but i had to take care of way more things than before which means that i, I had so many more responsibilities so many jesus christ so, <laughs> so many responsibilities that i didn't have in brazil we didn't have a car like things just got harder and then i realized that i couldn't handle them but not in the way that everyone else was doing in a way i felt extremely spoiled from for the way that i grew up which i know i um i how do you say i know i <laughs> I know I had a lot of privileges that not everyone in the world has. I wasn't extremely rich or anything, but I was middle class and I lived a pretty comfortable life. And I know that was very privileged and I really appreciate that that happened to me. But it's a really big shift when you come to a country like Sweden because they start working really young here. They move out of their house when they're 18. That's not how it goes in Brazil. You stay with your parents until you're like 30 or something. And your parents support you while you go through university and everything else. Um, so I had all these new responsibilities and I couldn't handle it. But not like everyone else. Like, I really couldn't handle it. And then I got really concerned and I randomly saw on Facebook, like, this ADHD test or whatnot. And then I did it. And then I asked my mother, I was like, I think I might have ADHD. And then she conveniently remembered, like, oh, yeah, I took you to the doctor for that when you were a kid. And I was like, bitch you could have said so what um and then after this she got diagnosed with adhd and then my aunt got diagnosed with adhd and then my cousin got diagnosed with adhd you got adhd and then, <laughs> and then suddenly it's like oh maybe i have it for real um and yeah i feel really happy for me and for you that now we're in a country where these things are taken more seriously where this is a conversation on every day-to-day -day life because in my country is taboo you don't talk about it you don't sit with your friends and you talk about mental illnesses or things like that uh while here ever since i moved i hear about mental illnesses all the time it's, it's a part of the conversation and talk about it in school they talk about it at your work getting burnt out having anxiety going through a depressive period it's a normal thing in sweden it's a it is in the whole world, but in Sweden, like it's thought to you that this is going to happen from time to time, and that's okay. Let's deal with it, not like go cry about it in your house, but not talk about it outside, or not uh, just be happy and don't think about it. Cause that doesn't work. The thing is, and those, <laughs> that's like in a way embarrassing, but growing up in my family. I was always fine. I guess one of my traumas and one of the things that reflect in my life nowadays is because I, as a child from a broken home, always tried to fix everything, right? 
and I always put the responsibility that was not given to me. But when you're a kid, you do that when your parents uh, have issues sometimes where I was going to be fine. I was always going to be fine. And I was always going to take care of everything and everyone. So I always talked to my mom and everyone. I was trying to help them, even though I was a child, which means that I put in my brain that I had to always be fine. Mm -hmm. And because I've seen my mother uh, go through so many things and my aunt and even my cousin, who's younger than me, I've seen them uh, with depression and, and a lot of anxiety and going through manic episodes even. And that never happened to me. I had this sweet, sweet illusion that I was fine. I was like, nah, I came out good, man. I'm the future of this family. And then, <laughs> then I grew up <laughs> and I realized, no, 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 bitch. Like, this is, this is a slice of humble pie. And that is the reason why I talk so much about mental illness because I am going through it. I started going through it after I moved to Sweden and my life completely changed and I wasn't so sheltered and I wasn't so privileged. I had to deal with new things and I had way more responsibilities. And winter, huh? Like winter in Sweden, it's really dark and really cold and I grew up going to the beach, so I'm not used to it. So it really hit me hard. I started streaming last year. No, it's been a year in 2020 because of the pandemic and because I felt so alone in Sweden. Sweden can be very lonely. Mm. And it was just a way to talk to people and to interact and to do something and to have company during the pandemic. And I realized that I could bring that to someone else mm. that is also quarantining, mm. that is also struggling. Um, so I created a platform. It was really random. I literally talked to someone that did it saw them mm. participated on their stream immediately turned on my phone and started talking like mm. i had no tripod no nothing i turned on my phone and i just started talking like non-stop and then mm. some people showed up and then i just kept doing that um okay, before we go on to streaming I, I just had these questions before i forget yeah but actually that's exactly the reason why i started this podcast is because winter 2020 exactly that time mm -hmm. like my friends all moved out of stockholm and then uh, like like I, I need people to talk to i need to socialize so mm -hmm. i already enjoyed like listening to podcasts why not just start doing it but the, um, what you mentioned was that now we hear so much about people like talking about mental health issues and all that like sometimes even i like fed up with it, like like i'm bringing it up in a, in almost every episode of my podcast mm -hmm. i'm talking with friends i'm just like sharing depressing memes and you know whatever whatever Sometimes I feel like, oh, it's just too much, you know? Maybe I should just stop talking about it. It's getting repetitive and boring. I feel like that, yeah. too. But then also you realize that all of my life, like, you know how you mentioned that, like, uh, everybody else around you in your family was depressed and having mm -hmm. issues, and you felt like you were the, the okay one? Yeah. I had the complete <laughs> opposite growing up. I thought okay. everybody else like are was okay perfect. yeah mm. and i i was the one that had these mental health issues mm -hmm. and and all of my life uh until like maybe until 20 or something like i thought i was the only one all this shit that happened to me and my personal issues like i'm like once in a whatever i'm like a really small minority mm -hmm. and talking like getting access to youtube and all this stuff social media kind of exposed me to that oh so many people go through this stuff and 
you don't realize how powerful it is by listening to other people go through the same stuff that you've been through mm-hmm. and then when i when that thought comes to me hey i'm talking too much i'm like no maybe this one episode a person a new person is listening and they connect with me and they realize hey i'm not the only one going through this stuff so then i kind of convinced myself hey it, what talking about these kind of things is important and we just need to keep even if it gets too repetitive <laughs> or whatever just keep talking about it yeah that's really beautiful and i really identify with that because that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened on my stream um i was struggling and i am and i'm going now through the worst burnout that i've ever went through in my life and by going through this and talking about this i know that there's people that are going through the same and they don't have anyone to talk to and i know that some of the people that watch me were exactly in your situation they are feeling weird they don't have anyone to talk to i was so lucky that i have it's bittersweet because maybe it's not so lucky but like i have someone to talk about these things um and i know that there's so many people that don't and if i could do something good in this world let me use my shitty trauma for goodness you see and i started streaming and i was just talking as per usual and eventually i would talk about my life and what i went through and some people started texting me like after my streams and stuff and say like oh oh my god like i feel way less alone because i also go through this and some people thank me they're like oh you make me feel seen or i'm going through this thing and they talk to me about what they're going through and it gave a completely different meaning for the stream for streaming because i had no goal with this shit i just turned the camera on and i was like oh this is cool um and suddenly i had a good reason like i had a beautiful noble cause that i love it so much because i struggle with this shit i live in the world i know that is fucked up and i know that i can feel really lonely and i'm going through it so i would like to show people how it is to go through it i just had a burnout i was hospitalized i'm going to through the utredni i'm going through the um, like rehabilitation kind and no utredni is when you go to the doctors to get an evaluation and find mm-hmm. out what you have mm-hmm. and then get medicine so i'm going through that and i've tried to do this for so many years but there's a huge line in sweden uh, the process takes years um and they're watching me go through this and it's beautiful because they saw the worst and then they're mm-hmm. going to see the the come up mm-hmm. so if there is a come up there's gonna be a come up i believe you know like here's the thing i but even if i do even if i have another breakthrough a uh, big breakthrough burnout even if i get extremely depressed again which will happen it's a part of life at least someone can see that it happens mm. at least like i can talk people through what's going on mm. i can talk people through having these symptoms <coughs> and making people realize that maybe they have ADHD as well and like i hear so many people talk badly about their doctor experiences mm. and things like that i'm not going to say that i had the best doctor mm. experiences they pushed my case for so long i needed help like for last year um but at the same time 
I believe that if you have something or if you are struggling, you need to seek for help. Even if it's extremely frustrating. It yeah. was extremely frustrating for me and they're watching me be frustrating mm -hmm. about that, frustrated about that. But you need to do it. Yeah. It's going to get better. I got anxiety medication a few days ago and I feel so much better already. Usually it's three voices screaming in my head. They're all talking about different things and they're never agreeing with each other. And now it's like just one. And I'm like, shit, is this how people feel? Fuck yeah, I can think. <laughs> I want to show people that they're not so alone. Um, I've decided for myself that I am not ashamed of using my situation if that's going to help someone else. Because, for example, my mother, she doesn't have a problem telling people that she has ADHD or whatnot. But it's just, she's not proud about it yeah. or whatever. Me, I'm proud about it. I have this thing. This is me. D deal with it, yeah. you see? Um, and I want to show people that it's not such a big deal. Yeah. That everyone has some baggage. Everyone has some issues to deal. Uh, this is not an excuse for shitty behavior. But it's an explanation to why sometimes you act the way you do. Mm -hmm. And to me, what's important is your mentality mm -hmm. of trying to get better. Um, I'm not perfect. I don't want to be, I'm not a good role model, but at the same time I am. Mm -hmm. You see, like I struggled and I did fucked up shit and I had fucked up shit mm -hmm. happen to me, but I'm still here and I'm going to keep trying to do better and be better and help out mm -hmm. everyone I find mm -hmm. on the way. Maybe not a role model, maybe like a test case. You just yeah, yeah, let me be a test case. I like to say that I am recycled trash <laughs> because I came from trash, but then I bettered myself. Mm -hmm. I recycled myself. One day I'll be a shiny new piece of paper. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Like It's really, really extremely hard to get help for yourself because, yeah, like if you break your arm, it's going to be obvious to you. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, my arm is broken and it's like uh, it, that's immediate pain. And then you can go seek help. There is no shame in it. But when you're going through like uh, most people, like they have mental health issues since they were a kid mm -hmm. and they grew up with it. And then when they came of age, they got mature, they realized what they're dealing with is not OK then a part of their brain is saying, hey, I've been just living like this for so long, might as well just keep going the same way. Mm -hmm. That's one part. And then the other part is that, like, our world is so made up of, like, uh, showing, always showing the good part of our lives. And you have to, you're talking to your friends, you're telling them, hey, I did, I learned a new skill, I achieved this, I got a new trophy, I, I'm going to whatever, mm -hmm. MMA classes and I'm drawing or whatever, you're always trying to portray the positive side of your life. Mm -hmm. And once you're, if you're going to get mental health therapy or help, then you're admitting to yourself that something is wrong and nobody wants to kind of explore that bad area of themselves mm -hmm. where all the bad and negative shit is. And just not for yourself and then there's also an element of hey now i'm not i'm gonna talk to other people about this like, mm -hmm. like a therapist a completely stranger i'm gonna talk to so these like a lot of these different elements that come into like stopping you from actually seeking help but isn't it really weird that when completely strangers like message you and they're like yeah i'm going through this deep trauma and mm -hmm. depression and all that like after like my first first or second episode like people i know and like random people 
like they messaged me like who i never expected to like have this kind of conversation mm-hmm. and they're like instead of hey how's it going how's the weather they're like just like straight into this mm-hmm. yeah uh it was nice uh like i could relate to what you're going through i've been through the similar situation mm-hmm. and it kind of feels good but also weird like this complete stranger like it's a weird kind of mm-hmm. bond that you're having with mm-hmm. this person um it's unusual because it doesn't happen when you go to the supermarket mm. for example but at the same time um i've put myself out there mm. talking about this so it's normal that people will relate and they want they can bring it up to you um i feel like by doing something like this like a live stream or a podcast you become a, a judgment free um objective person for that person oh my god okay again by doing these things we are an objective uh, observer mm. where we are an example of what we're going through and therefore we create a safe environment that other people feel comfortable mm. to talk about maybe that person that texted you <coughs> doesn't have anyone else to yeah. talk about it with Maybe that person that texted you is struggling to accept it for themselves, but they saw you and that you're going through this and they got the courage to try to talk about it. So I feel extremely happy when people come and they tell me their stories because I don't know what if they don't have anyone to talk about or what if they can't talk about to anyone. Me, I'm a stranger and I'm going through this so they don't feel judged by it and they feel seen by what I'm putting out there. And that's what motivates me to keep doing this. Sometimes, and especially now, I do also feel like a broken record just talking mm. about the same thing. But, and you want to stop and you want to like, no, I'll just pretend I'm fine today and keep doing. But that's not true. Mm. And that's not the reality. And by doing this, you're just going to perpetuate the example that we grew up seeing that is like, no, 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 don't talk about it. Don't see it. You need to show the reality mm-hmm. if you're trying to make mm-hmm. a point out of mental illness and et cetera, et cetera, with <laughs> your platform. Um, I never imagined that I would help someone with my trauma. Uh, help, like, I know I don't do much, but sometimes, as you say, you have no one to talk about. You don't even realize mm-hmm. why you're ac- acting a certain way because mm-hmm. you grew up with this behavior and therefore, oh, it's just life. And then you see someone else from a completely different country, other side of the world, doing something super random. You're like, oh, shit. And if I can be that for someone, just like someone else was for me, I feel complete. I feel mm-hmm. like I've done my job for the world, you know? When I grew up, I wanted to save the world, like uh, kids, you know? I was like, I'm going sa- to fix everything. I'm pretty sure I can fix the world. But when you were young, did you have like an ideal job or career you want to... No, I was just going to save the world. Yeah. That was just a, <laughs> a pretty easy job. I was like, nah, I can see the issues. It's easy. I'm going to fucking fix them. And then you get older and, and then <laughs> you realize you have to narrow like your mm. possibilities. You're like, okay, maybe not the world, maybe just my city. And then you keep growing. You're like, okay, maybe just my house. Um and growing maybe up maybe i should just save myself yeah that's where we are now and then that's why i wanted to be a psychologist because i grew up seeing my family and i was like oh, i can help people that way but as the more i got older the more it became hard to save myself so now i am in the position 
where, okay, I gotta fix myself first. And apparently, I can take some people with me during this journey. So I am helping, so I feel really good. Um, if you don't save yourself, you're not gonna be able to save anyone else. That's the reality of it. You can feel selfish because, oh, I wanted to do so much more. I wanted to help people so much, but now I can't even help myself. So it can create such a frustrating situation. But by helping myself with the stream, I get to help other people meanwhile. So it really motivates me to feel better. Um, and also, my train of thought is gone. I was just Keep thinking, like, it's kind of cheesy to say that, you know, and people say this general question when they ask hey what's your what's your purpose of life or you know what's the meaning what's your meaning of life like nobody has a clear answer for that Mm -hmm. but actually doing this podcast and talking about this shit kind of like i kind of have an answer now like if i do anything like a career wise whatever i do photography Mm -hmm. or whatever i do but one of my major goals is i want to be a person who other people just my friends like i want to create an environment around me that people are okay talking about their problems and being open to me mm-hmm. it's kind of like a like i don't i don't say that i'm proud of many things in my life but that's one of my i think i'm really proud that mm-hmm. uh, i can navigate a conversation even with a stranger to a point where we can like connect and they can discuss things which maybe they're not that comfortable discussing mm-hmm. otherwise but look a minute ago you said that you found it strange that people would come up to you a person that you don't know randomly and tell you things but as you just explained to me like you're a person that you have the ability the capability and the qualities to make people feel comfortable Mm -hmm. enough to do that so if you're getting that sort of reaction it's something you manifested into the world yeah, yeah. so you should be really happy that that happens yeah, it's I'm working happy. out bro yeah, yeah it's just like the whole phenomena is kind of weird <laughs> of course yeah. internet's pretty strange um but i want to ask you what are your like symptoms of adhd and how do they like specifically affect your life daily life oh, like, is it like memory loss is it, like do you like go on tangents or what's what's going on um so <laughs> For me, I have a very short attention span if it's something that I'm not interested, right? So school is pretty hard, studying is pretty hard, unless it's a subject um, I like, unless it's something that I enjoy doing. Um, For example, this, I enjoy doing. I can do this for hours, but if I had a... (laughs) If I had a... a, Maybe a math test. I can't fucking do it. Um, It's hard for me to start tasks that are important and i will procrastinate into the last minute and it's not just procrastinating because when you have adhd you have a lot of anxiety and all this frustration leads to depression so one does the other um so i have a really important test for a task for example this is something i need to do probably it won't even be that bad and i am able to do it like pretty like Mm -hmm. fine if i do it today it's going to be fine but I'm not going to do it today because there's a spiritual force in the world that doesn't let me do it. Uh, so I'm going to keep procrastinating. But I'm not going to be resting while I procrastinate. Yeah. I'm going to be in panic because I should be doing that, but I can't do that. So you're just living in this little nirvana of misery where you're not doing what you're supposed to do, but you're also not resting because you can't stop thinking about what you're supposed to do. So you just live in this frustration. 
when you have ADHD, I recently found out that it is a, a pretty common sim- symptom that you're a perfectionist, but you don't have the capacity to be a perfectionist. So you're just in this limbo. I am extremely like perfectionist. I want to do everything in amazing quality and I want to do everything. I want to work out and I want to have a great social life and I want to stream and I want to go to university. But I am not able to eat properly right now. So it's a big frustration because you want to do so much, but you can't do the minimum. So you're going between this. This is because I'm unmedicated. I'm untreated. Like not everyone that has ADHD needs medication. I I think in my case, I do. My whole family needs it. Um, But... Do you just like slowly slip while it's like a tablet in your mom's and you're like... I I have done that. I have done that because... (laughs) I had tests, I had assignments, and the government just doesn't help me. Mm. It's not right. I, I don't I don't feel comfortable taking someone else's medicine because mm. I know I need it, and I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Like, I just want my medicine so mm. I can study, and I've been saying this to the doctors for so long, and nobody listens to me. But, yeah, I had to take someone else's ADHD medication to do assignments mm. before, not proud of it it's not something that i think it's cool (laughs) i wish i had Mm. my medicine but um is it like treatable with like therapy and like can it like completely go away no adhd Mm. doesn't go away Mm. literally uh in your brain it's it just works differently Mm. and the way it works is not compatible to how society is and the fast pace Mm. that we live every day therefore it's not treatable you need to learn how to deal with it you through therapy you learn ways to manage it you learn how to be more organized you learn how to realize patterns and work with you not against you mm-hmm. and then medicine can help ease out the, these uh, consequences mm-hmm. um so but you asked so i have a short attention span 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 <laughs> attention span i have a really hard time starting and finishing uh, tasks especially if they if they're important ADHD mm. is triggered by stress so the more something is important mm. or hard or monotonous um, the harder it will be for you to do that our brain is uh, driven by stimulus mm. that's why because people say that ADHD oh it's just you don't pay attention no that's not correct it's not that you don't pay attention it's just that your brain can only pay attention to something that generates stimulus. And therefore, you have a specific attention span. You have a shifting one. Because if you couldn't pay attention, then why people with ADHD do, like, video games for 12 hours Mm -hmm. nonstop? Like, if you're really interested in something, you have passion for it, you will do it with so much focus. Mm -hmm. It's hyper-focused. It's way more focus than anyone else can have. But... In life, you need to be able to complete tasks, even if they're not fun yeah. for you. Um, so I have that. And from hyperactivity, I don't have the usual symptoms that's, that like a normal person would imagine. Because when you say hyperactivity, you think of someone that can't sit down yeah, and yeah, can't yeah. stop moving, restless, etc., etc. Et and to me, it's in my mind and in the way I speak. I, the way I talk, that is due to hyperactivity. But I'm a pretty like chill person. Like I sit down, I I don't move a lot. I, I don't have that. 
but my brain is constantly going a thousand per hour. I, it's like I have a computer that has a virus and you close one tab and 25 appears. And it's like that all the time. It's so much that I can't sleep because it never shuts the fuck up. Um, and obviously all of this triggers anxiety and then depression. It's, uh, it escalates. So because of all this i end up being a really stressed person and a really impatient and nervous mm -hmm. person because i'm constantly on edge mm -hmm. and you can be talking to me but now i'm medicated for anxiety so i'm mm -hmm. fine but like you could be talking to me and i'll be listening but i'll be like but i have to do laundry and i have to do dishes and i have to and it's just this voice in your brain constantly telling you you should be doing things and you can't do them it's uh, back and forth can um, you can you read I can read. Mm. It's fine. If it's something I like, right? Um, it's fine. Um, my ADHD, I think I have all of the mm. most common symptoms, which is uh, the attention and um, talking a lot and mm. making mistakes because you didn't pay attention enough to what you were reading on tests or stuff like that. <laughs> something that I found out today because I had my first appointment for my attorney is that something that I do is actually an ADHD uh, symptom that sometimes my brain thinks so fast that when I'm saying words, I'll skip words. Mm -hmm. So I'll say like, how do instead of how to do because it's just so fast that it comes out before I can think. So that's the thing. Mm. Wait, the way you're describing all these symptoms, I think I might have ADHD. Honestly, a lot of people have ADHD. Yeah. Having ADHD doesn't mean that you need treatment. And yeah, yeah, the different levels. That yeah. you need medicine. Mm. I believe, <laughs> then any doctor could disagree with me, that's fine. But I personally believe that I, I love my ADHD. I love it. And I think it's a great thing to have. It creates very creative people. Um, but if your ADHD is affecting your day-to-day -day life and the way you manage to do everyday things, such as like eating or working, if it's affecting your whole life in a negative way, then you should treat, look for treatment. I know people that have ADHD that don't have problems in their day-to-day -day life. Maybe it's a little bit harder, but they can manage. I don't think they should be medicated if they don't need to. But if this is causing you to have extreme anxiety and extreme depression and you cannot cope with it and you cannot feel like a normal human being, like you don't feel like the way that I am right now, where I had the burnout, it's like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to cope because it starts to escalate. And like, am I always going to be tired 24 hours a day, no matter how much I sleep? I can't do this forever. If you're feeling like that, you should look for help. If you're like, oh, sometimes I don't pay attention, but I can do my taxes, yeah, then yeah. good. Then mm -hmm. just you're just a bit quirky. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it really depends. And a lot of people think that when they have like, uh, mental health issues or when they suspect that they do, they don't want to go to the doctor because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, they're gonna give me a lot of pills and then I'm just gonna become like a vegetable. Mm -hmm. That's not true. That's not true. Maybe you won't even get medicine. Like, it's not, oh, you have this, take this. It's not like that. You need to go to therapy. You need to talk to people. You need to realize where it's affecting you, 
how is it going you don't need to take medication if you don't want to there are other ways to deal with mm. i think i need medication and i want to do it but if they find out that i have adhd and they tell me do you want to take it if i say no there are other ways it's not the only choice it's just a choice mm. you do what you feel best what you feel is best for you and what I recommend is that you don't do what your family thinks is best for you. Don't take medication because your parents told you, mm. oh, just take this. Take it if you feel like you need to. And if you don't want to, mm. that's fine. Is like it with mental health issues, it's like even if you have the same illness with your parents, that same medication could affect you differently. I always recommend people to go like, do a diagnosis because some people they underdiagnose themselves oh this is nothing and some people just overdiagnose themselves i think it's really good that you go to a doctor or like go to a therapy session just go to one therapy session and then just talk about your daily life even if you feel like you're 100 percent normal you manage everything perfectly just go to therapy like one or two sessions i think that's like really helpful just to know about yourself and like um, like my own personal experience was like also like just living with the same shit over and over again and i'm like hey i've been living like this for so long might as well just continue and then mm -hmm. i just like hit like the very bottom of the pit yeah, that's what's happening mm -hmm. right now and then we're like uh, i'm like i just like got tired of it so much that i'm like uh it's my responsibility to change my life nobody's going to come save me and I take the responsibility to change it right now. And then I just, like, I did therapy, had a shitty, like, therapist, didn't work out, and then I uh, tried a lot of, like, uh, uh, changing my diet, working out, and all those other things, but nothing worked. And then finally, like, I wasn't really keen on medication, but finally, like, I said, okay, I'll try it just for, like, you know, what's worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. I'm already at my worst. And then I got the medication and then like, thank God, I've like never felt better like this before, mm -hmm. like the past year. No, it's not even been a year, maybe a few months. Mm -hmm. And then like I completely like my days, my way of thinking is completely different than it was like before. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah. Yeah, you said it all. That's pretty much what happened to me. Um, I tried to get help when I was 17 and then they didn't take me seriously or I, I got a therapist for a little while and then it wasn't really good and you get really frustrated when these things happen and then you get to a point where you're like, well, I put it up for so long, maybe it's fine. And then you just push it and push it and push it. And eventually you have a burnout. Eventually you can't push it anymore. You don't have energy. You, you lose the will to try. And that's what happened to me. And now I I went to the emergency and, and I told them, you cannot ignore my case anymore. Look what happened. I can see the progression of this. I've been saying to doctors that this was going to happen. And now they're taking me more seriously. Now they gave me medication for anxiety and depression. The first time in my life, I told you my story and I tell this to doctors Someone should have given me some medicine, you see? That was very irresponsible. Um, and now I'm feeling better and I'm feeling hopeful. And I think the, the most surprising thing, because 
it's the first time I go through this, right? Uh, I've seen my family do it a thousand times, and for that reason, I'm a little bit more aware mm. of what's going on. But still, when it happens to you, it's completely different. You're like, oh my god, now it makes sense. Um, and I'm going through this for the first time, and I'm talking to people while it happens, so people can can see how it can look like when it happens to them, just like I had with my family. Um, and I forgot what I was gonna say. My ADHD just went. I have no idea. Are you kind of like concerned that okay, once you're like you're getting treatment, you're getting better and better, and then once you get all better, your followers are like, oh, she's fine. <laughs> we need to find another crazy lady. <laughs> no, I I don't think so because as you know very well, mental health, and not all issues, but a lot of issues. Mm. There's no cure. Mm. There's dealing with it. Yeah. There's working on yourself. So it's a journey. I'm going to struggle with ADHD mm. for my entire life, no matter if I have medication or not. But now it's up to me to decide how much I want to struggle with it. Am I just going to keep pushing through or am I going to try to get help? Mm. I can make my life a lot easier. If I, if I try so, if I keep pushing it, I'm just going to make it harder until I can't do it anymore. And that's not a place I want to be again. It's something I'm going to deal with for my whole life. And I'm gonna try to teach people around me how to deal with, and I'm I'm gonna keep going, mm. and it's gonna get easier, and I'm gonna learn how to deal with it, which is something I didn't know before. So mm. it's going to be a little bit better. I'm gonna get depressed again. I'm gonna have extreme anxiety at times. It's okay. Mm. It's hard to accept sometimes. Something that my mother told me when I was younger. I didn't want to accept it. It's like, cause you're like, oh, but everyone can do these things. Everyone can go to work and then go to the gym and then go out with their friends. Everyone handles it. I should handle it. And my mother told me, they can maybe you can't handle it. You can't do everything and that's okay. Mm. Don't try to be like everyone else. It's okay. It's okay to to not be able mm. to do the same things as everyone else because in reality it's not everyone else. That's what you see in the movies, and that's what people tell you. That's not true. Everyone has their struggles. These are yours. It's maybe unfortunate that they happen to you, but this is your life. Take care of yourself. Take care of your life. Help yourself. Don't try to face it head first and be like everyone else, disregarding what your body needs, what your mind needs. Be kind to yourself. You need to treat yourself <laughs> like you would do it to a little kid that's how i deal with my childhood trauma i try to talk to myself i talk i try to talk to my inner child right so when i'm going through something in a relationship or i feel like jealous or this or that i have to do some soul searching and be like what happened like you know you have you have to be kind to yourself because like Anyone in the internet can call me like a bitch, a whore, whatever they want. But the hardest person that judges me is myself. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm my biggest bully, and that that's not good. You you need to be your biggest supporter because mm -hmm. it's you and you for the rest of your life. Be kind to yourself. Help mm -hmm. yourself. Don't don't make your life harder than it has to be. Have you read the book Twelve Rules for Life? No, but I've heard about yeah. it. People one told me it's one really of the good. rules is uh, treat yourself, take care of yourself as you would another person. 
because sometimes we are too hard on ourselves and not we are more considerate of other people like if you're sick you might be like oh i'll just get up and go to work it will get better but if your best friend is sick you're going to be like no you need to rest you need to take exactly. care so sometimes you need to just have that outside perspective looking in you have to mm-hmm. that's why i say like uh, a little kid because i don't know who i'm talking to when i'm doing something mm-hmm. like this so maybe you're a shit person you treat others horribly think about a little kid mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. you know you they don't know better you have to teach them sometimes when you're facing your trauma or something like, or anxiety you are like a little kid mm-hmm. because you're being silly or whatever you can't see the bigger picture so it's like you're a little kid so try to think of yourself like that and then be kind to you how you would like a person that doesn't know better. Mm. There's a lot of fights between yourself and your ego mm. during life and during dealing with things like that because as you say you you want to push through and you want to be like everyone else and especially in our countries where nobody talks about it. So you don't want to accept that you have an issue. You don't want to admit and talk to others about these things mm. because then they're going to think you're weird or then you're going to have to accept that you're not like everyone else. Or you're going to have to accept that maybe you need help. And that's humiliating. Mm. But that's something that was constructed by society. There's no humiliation in needing help because if you broke your arm, that would be fine. You would just mm. go to the to the doctor and fix it. It's the same with your brain. Sometimes you break your brain and then you need to go to the doctor mm-hmm. to fix it. It shouldn't be something to be ashamed of. And I like that in Sweden people take this seriously and you don't feel as some people do still feel ashamed, but you don't feel ashamed mm-hmm. in general that you you're depressed. If you go out and you say it was winter, I got depressed, everyone will be yeah, like, yeah. "Oh yeah, me too. It's fine." Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of taboo about feeling these things in our countries and i think that's really wrong i think that's really sad in my country right now because of bolsonaro's government uh they are yeah, how long has he been in government for I th- now i think the elections are like right now they're going to change uh-huh. it can he run again yeah he can i don't mm-hmm. think he's going to win it's 4 years mm-hmm. um <laughs> they because he's a conservative and christian and very religious and all that and he supports fucking the military dictatorship he's fucking not case um now it's like brazil went back instead of progressing so they are talking about opening money communes like madhouses okay they're talking about gay cure they're reopening conversations that were closed down a long mm-hmm. time ago because because I don't hospice I think it's the word in English mm-hmm. um but in the bad sense not like because here in Sweden they have hospice and it doesn't mean mm-hmm. like a bad thing it's a, so they pray away the gay <laughs> yeah yeah they, these conversations are, are getting reopened I thought we closed that a long time ago and we were already on the same page about the ridiculousness of this all um but the whole thing about the hospices would be like we come me uh, in my country if you had a mental illness you were put away in the hospice and that's it hide away from the people and it was decided a long time ago that that was a stupid idea and that doesn't help anyone and that it's inhumane but right now 
the discussion is open again mm -hmm. and they have a like the minister of health has these crazy ideas of like oh no maybe it will be good because he's a, a christian and stuff and i don't want to shit on christians because not all christians think that but in this case this one particularly mm -hmm. blames religion on in his decisions but um, uh, like brazilian like politics in general do you think the majority of people are like more conservative leaning or more <laughs> I don't know a lot of politics to feel comfortable so if you, if you about saying Bolsonaro runs again mm -hmm. does he have a good chance of winning I don't know I don't think he has a good chance mm -hmm. of winning because he did a shit job a shitty mm -hmm. job um basically he won because the the party before him was in power for like uh, don't judge me don't quote me I don't 10 years mm -hmm. 15 years or more um and the guy that was in power that's called Lula. He went to jail because he did a lot of bad things. Mm -hmm. Extremely corrupt party. But he was extreme left. But extremely corrupt party, like can go for days about mm -hmm. what he did. But he went to jail and when the elections were going on, Bolsonaro was the extreme right. It's basically what happened to the US, right? You want they want to change. Mm -hmm. So we wanna put someone else and okay. then because it was extreme left the the Obama, public opinion yeah, went yeah, yeah. extreme right mm -hmm. uh, maybe that will fix it but bolsonaro started as a meme mm -hmm. because he in the parliament or whatnot he was extremely um unapologetic and he would do like crazy it's shit basically trump of brazil it's exactly mm -hmm. like trump for brazil he said a lot of fucked up shit like he went on tv and he said someone asked him what would you do if your son was gay he's like no 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 I taught him better. Like, I corrected him when he was a child. Like, he would say that shit on TV. Someone asked him, what would you do if your son dated a black woman? He said, no, like, he comes from a good home. He wouldn't do that. This dude said this on TV and got elected. Like, it's absurd. He got famous because he would say that type yeah. of shit. So he became a meme. And then it was almost like a joke at yeah. the beginning when he was running for election. Just like Trump. Uh, but it ended up happening and there's still people that blindly support him but the thing is right or left in brazil it all ends up being the same shit it all ends up being like corrupt and yeah. it doesn't matter what what they say it all ends up being the same shit unfortunately as absurd as it is um lula the guy that was in jail he got out of jail now, I think, and he's running to be the president again, and I think he's going to win. Is there any, like, good party, like a good leader? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I'm not looking yeah. into Brazilian politics yet. Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to Brazil right now, it's kind of like, who's the least bad? Mm -hmm. Less less bad? I think that's, like, in all the politicians. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, we're like... running up to two hours. And oh, shit. <laughs> The most important question I think people wanna answer to: When are you dropping your OnlyFans? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have. I saw that the fake account. Did it get taken down or? I hope it got taken mm -hmm. down because I'm not allowed access to it. I think mm -hmm. I think a lot of, enough people. Um, yeah, I reported it as well. Reported. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, a bunch much. of people reported. I think then they take I it down. I think they took yeah. it out. Um, OnlyFans. So, <laughs> I have opinions about OnlyFans. Um. I 
have absolutely no problem with it, would totally do it. You don't have to answer. I was just joking. I, but I would <laughs> answer. I would totally do it. But I don't know what I want to do with my life yet. <laughs> and I'm a pretty random person. I don't know. I can have an idea and then this could jeopardize my career. So it just feels like a stupid move because I still don't know. Yeah. When I was 18, I got an invitation to participate of like a Suicide Girls, which is... That. It's like an OnlyFans, but it was for uh, alternative tattooed girls or whatever. Okay. It's very American, I think. Um, and I was like, mm. but I had the thought, I'm 18. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a lot of commitment for an 18 year old yeah. that doesn't know shit about life. Mm. So it's the same thing with OnlyFans, like. And I'm doing things for the internet now. Maybe if I didn't do streaming and I could be like, oh, just don't show my face. Nobody will know where I am. Mm -hmm. I have extremely recognizable tattoos. Yeah, that's true. So if I do an OnlyFans, there's no way it's going to be secret. I would have to change my entire life mm -hmm. and become a person that has an OnlyFans and be like posting on my social media so what all if the you time. decide to become president in the future? And then I don't know. <laughs> what like, if? She had OnlyFans? Oh my God, we if, can't work for her. If I was, I have a friend that she is a famous, let's say, like she's quite big on the internet and she did an OnlyFans mm -hmm. and she only posts like uh, pictures of her in a bra. Mm -hmm. That's it. And she gets like 40K per month yeah. because she already has a big platform mm -hmm. she already has a fan base have she already have a, mm -hmm. a fan base therefore for her it's minimal effort and minimal exposure and she gets a lot from it mm -hmm. that was my case i would strongly consider mm -hmm. but that's not my case i don't want to hustle on all yeah, yeah, fans. Yeah. you see if i could post like a side boob and that 40k I, I'll, I'll do it. No, I, who, who am I kidding? But like... I mean, if uh, you already have the daddy issues, covered, <laughs> so if uh, streaming doesn't work out and you're struggling... No, I don't, I don't, I don't think it, I'll go. I think I wouldn't just because I don't want someone to tell me that. I don't want someone to be like, ah, yeah, she has daddy issues. But I could see that coming. That like, Fuck you. I'm not going to do it just because you said that, you see? <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to title um, this episode Daddy Issues with Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> the day I found out, I'll tell you this last story, the day I found out I had daddy issues was I was in the shower and I had like a lot of piercings and like pink hair and shit and I was in the shower and I swear to God, up until I was 14, like I didn't realize it. And one day I was in the shower and I took a good look at myself and I was like, oh no! <laughs> I look exactly like I have daddy issues. Oh no, I have them! <laughs> Fuck! It like all hit me like a truck. Like I, it didn't cross my mind and I was like, oh, I'm a stereotype, shit. Yeah, now we're here. Self-actualization. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any like specific goals with your streams or do you have a specific schedule or do you do every day or is there like a specific time or length? It should be three times a week, uh, but due to my mental state at the moment <laughs> and dealing with ADHD, it's going a little bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. But the goal is to do at least three times a week. Um, what I want to do with my stream is what we've been talking about mm. so far. It's just like what you're doing with your podcast. Like, they help me as much as I help them. Mm. They give me a lot of support. The only reason why I'm capable of paying all these huge medical bills is because I got help mm. from the stream. So this shit helps me out so much. And I'm so glad that while having this help, I'm also helping others. Mm. If I grew, like, big or whatever, I would still... This will be my goal, mm. is to talk to people about mental illnesses and 
just you know live my life and have this dream be a part mm-hmm. of it and hang out with people i am you could say a virtual friend mm-hmm. um this is where i started it's i wanted to talk to people i feel lonely at times and i know other people do as well so it's just uh, we just hang out you can be my podcast host yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and talk as much as we want hey, look at this we're doing <laughs> yeah exactly it's been two hours see yeah i, I don't think you thought it was gonna be no long. no but i told you i can talk for <laughs> i can talk as well <laughs> but it's going to be hard for me later on oh no no for that. sure for <laughs> sure i get it um so what's your shout out your twitch channel uh if yeah be pads on i have twitch i have uh youtube you can follow me on my instagram all of them are gabby pads awesome it was awesome having you here i really enjoyed it thank you everyone for listening thank Thank you you guys stream yeah thank you to the stream (laughs) peace be upon you all take care bye bye